Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Welcome, Renee Howitt. Thank you so much for joining the Lemon Spark Podcast. I'm so grateful for you taking time out of your busy schedule to tell us about your Lemon Spark story. Renee is the founder of Cope24. When you and I were talking just before I hit record, you'd said, if someone had asked you 20 years ago, if you'd be doing what you're doing today, you would have said, no way. So tell us what got you to what you're doing today with COPE24. So COPE24 is a nonprofit child advocacy organization. And our mission statement is uh, making parenting education a national priority. And what we mean by that is we believe that all high school students in all schools should be taking parenting and or child development while they're in school. We know that more than 80% of us are going to become parents. And I can think of no other life skill that's more precious than that. And my story in a nutshell is we had two children show up on our doorstep, not once, but twice on Christmas Eve night. And the, the parents were in desperation. They had lost their jobs, lost their career, had no money. And my husband and I had to make a decision. Were we going to help this couple out or just say, sorry, you made a lot of dumb mistakes. And we made the decision that we would help them. And And this was 20 years ago. Yeah, just a little bit more than 20 years ago. And what I mean by help is my husband got the father a really good job so that he could support this family. We supplemented the income for three years. We found them a place to live and put appliances in it. We provided care for their then newborn and two-year-old child because we were the only support system. And that is one of the things that I teach when I'm in schools is that if you're expecting a baby, you got nine months and to get ready, you need to be putting together a list of people that can help you because you can't do this on your own. And so that's what we were for this family. And for three years, we do all of those things. And at the end of three years, we just realized we're not fixing this. We're just enabling these parents to continue making bad choices. And so these children are three and five years old when we sort of pull the plug and say, it's not just us. Uh, Your employer is going to fire you because you're not showing up to work often enough or long enough. The landlord's going to evict you because we've stopped paying your rent for you. And let us take your children into our home. You two go figure out your life. And if you get it together, come back and get your kids. If you don't get it together, you know what you have provided for your kids. We'll give them everything we give ours. Of course, they didn't take us up on that. Not too many people would, but we were sincere in what we were saying. And so I was backed into a corner because I had been seeing a lot of things. And to be honest with you, five-year-olds talk a lot. This little girl had revealed a lot of things and it's in five-year-old terminology. So you don't always know, but it was a little girl and I was raising three girls and I was not hearing those things from my girls or any of their friends. So you don't have to have a lot of education in psychology to understand something's not right here. And so I made that hotline call and just said, look, investigate this. If you see what I see, will be a resource. If you don't see what I see, I won't bother you again. I'm not. You called child welfare. 
Yes. And that phone call ignited a four-year fight for these kids. So at the end of that four years, we're seven years into this. In that four years, there will be three rounds where the children come and live with us for extended periods of time because we do become the foster parents and they will live with us for extended periods of time. But the system is set up for reunification. And so the children would always go back to this mother. I'm not against reunification. I think that if parents can get it together, the best choice, because what I can tell you that I couldn't have told you in the beginning of this is that children, even when they're abused and neglected, they still love their parents and they're very loyal to their parents. They want to believe when their parents tell them we're better, it's better. That's just how children are wired. But we know as adults, this probably isn't going to be any better. And it wasn't. And so the third time we had to give these kids back, these kids are now seven and nine years old. And we knew we were done unless something traumatic happened. And we got that phone call. We were done because now We'd been in court in two different states. We'd been in five different jurisdictions because these parents learn to jump from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and they learn how to manipulate the system. And in our case, we were dealing with very smart, educated parents. People like to think this only happens in uneducated, poverty-stricken families, but that is not the truth. This happens across the board. That was my motivation. I mean, I was just not only shocked by the, the generational cycle of dysfunction that existed with this woman's family, but then to see the dysfunction in child welfare. And I needed to understand that. And I needed to, I thought there should be a lot of us out there looking to improve that because the whole goal is to make life better and protect children. And yet all the laws are written to protect parents. All of the laws are for reunification. And it's easy to make that look like it's okay it's going to work. It's very easy for parents to get their act together when they don't have their children at home. When the children come back, well, you have that honeymoon period where it's really good for about a week, but the children also have a lot of anger. And then the the bad behavior starts happening. And these parents didn't have coping skills for healthy kids. And so suddenly what looked like they were coping really well with life when they didn't have their kids. Now they've got their kids and they can't balance it all. And it starts to fall apart again. And so what was the solution? And so that's what I was seeking was a solution. How can we make this better? And through that journey, because it's been a journey, um, what I came to understand is that the system's just overwhelmed. Now that speaks to us personally. There's just too many of our families in this nation that are dysfunctional. And people need to understand dysfunction doesn't mean illegal. Much of what we do that's dysfunctional for children is not illegal. What I try to teach students, because that's what I work with now, are when you decide you're going to become a parent, the definition of fun changes. Fun doesn't just go away, but it isn't fun, the kind of fun where you're partying with your friends and going out every night and hanging out and sleeping in and life, that's not life with children. And so if your definition of fun doesn't change, that's when these conflicts happen. And so COPE 24 was formed so that I could begin working with family and consumer science teachers. Many people don't know, those teachers are in almost all of our school districts. And most of our school districts offer some variation of parenting, child development, adult living, family relations, and we need to be getting our students to take those courses 
so that they can make a better decision. Am I ready to be a parent? Do I want to be a parent? I shouldn't be guilted into being a parent. That's not for all of us. And so what Coke 24 does is we produce reality-based documentary style videos that these teachers can use to help prepare kids. So the teachers are talking in academic terms, but I want kids to know what is it like when you have a baby that won't stop crying. There's one form of child abuse that happens only for that reason, shaken baby. People get so frustrated. They fed them, changed them, rocked them, burped them, sang to them. And this baby's still crying and screaming, but maybe this is the day I have a headache or my boss was a big jerk or I just had an argument with my spouse and this baby won't stop. And so out of total frustration, I pick this baby up and I shake it. And now the baby dies or the baby's so severely injured, it'll never be healthy again. And everybody's life is changed forever because of that few seconds. And yet we can teach that. And when I talk about that in classes, I tell kids, can you put in your earbuds? You can't do that. That's neglect. Really? Put in your earbuds or shake a baby. Oh, step outside. You can't do that. You got a baby in the house. Really? Step outside or shake this baby. And they, the light bulb literally goes on. Like we can teach this stuff and we should be teaching it because we know as a society, every child's going to face that moment. Every parent's going to face a baby that won't stop crying, a toddler that's throwing a tantrum over nothing, you know, bedtime, potty training. All of those frustrating moments happen over and over and over again, and we can get better at it. So Renee, I just want to emphasize, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you started on this path toward COPE 24, you didn't have background in the child welfare system before this. It's not like you were professionally trained as say a social worker or case manager. And now, you know, you've seen it from the inside as opposed to from a professional. Right. So what I had as a background was a stay-at-home mom. I'm an athlete. And so I was drawn in naturally by the people around me to coach when my kids got to that age, but no, and I didn't even have any interest in child welfare. Actually, when my youngest, which when this started for me, my youngest was in first grade. And when she went to first grade, I went back to school because I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to study architecture, has nothing to do with this. I was going to be an architect at this point in my life. I do that stuff as a hobby. But this changed my life. You know, I I became about child advocacy. We can do better and we should want to do better. And you shared with me the moment where you felt like you had found your purpose. You had gone to some, you were invited to some Bible study class that was uh, reading a purpose-driven life. And do you want to share that? Yeah. You know, so while we're fostering these kids and, you know, kids are kids. About 70% of everything kids do, they all do. But we had, in addition, we had these problems with these children that had been abused and neglected and the insecurities. And during the night, one of the kids had nightmares and night tears, which are completely different. He would sit up in the middle of the night and blood would just gush out of his nose and there was nothing medically wrong with him. That's all this stuff going on in their little minds, you know, and you're dealing with that, those things on and off on a daily basis. And then in my adult life, I had been invited into this Bible study, uh, A Purpose Driven Life, and all of the pieces started coming together. Yes, we need purpose. My husband was a very young man when he was made the CEO of a group of banks. He's a brilliant man. He was 35 years old. 
And what came along with that were the benefits of trips and, you know, being able to go places that most people aren't and being with people that are sort of the age I am now and they're very wealthy. And I can remember as a woman in my thirties walking across the beach in Marco Island and thinking, I don't know if I would be happy if this is where I was at 60 years old. Like every day you just walk the beach, you played golf, you played tennis, but these people have all the money and they have their health and what they could be giving back. And so all of these things are coming together in my mind and I'm thinking, this is what God's drawing me to. There's a purpose here. And we're afraid sometimes. We're afraid to step out of that comfort zone and what our dream is. We can still take trips if we want to. We, I can still play tennis or go golf. It's just an occasional. I'm not going to be in a league. We're not going to go on a trip every month, but we can still do those things. And yet every single day, wake up with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's an awesome feeling. Yeah. And I find it really incredible that going back to the fact that you're now speaking across the country, it sounds like, to high school groups and making these videos, these reality-based videos that home ec and family living teachers can share with their students to help them better prepare to be parents if and when they choose to do so and giving them a completely different perspective about parenting, which is wonderful. And you've come to this spot actually being looked at and sought after as an expert. And yet you never went to school formally for these kinds of issues. You never worked in this space until this experience with fostering these two kids whom you grew to love and who would be ripped out, you know, from your home multiple times and you'd have that pain and really open your eyes to all of the challenges that the system faces and that foster parents face and parents themselves, biological parents face. And so you've created this, this expertise even though when you started out, you told me you sat in meetings, you felt like you were the, the least knowledgeable person in the room. <laughs> you were in the presence of people who had degrees and decades of experience working in the foster care or the child welfare services system. And you were just really, really new to it all. And do you want to share what you, how you felt after you attended that meeting? The first meeting, because I was appointed fairly quickly to these task force, which was, wow, a God thing, because I didn't even know these people. They kind of found a book that I had written and it inspired all of that. But attending the meetings, the first meeting was very intimidating because, I mean, there were judges and lawyers and detectives and pediatricians and all these people. We're not talking people just with bachelor's degrees. We're talking people with a lot more education. And then you add years of work experience and I'm sitting in this room, but as the day went on, I realized these people aren't any closer to a solution than I am. And so you learn to become bold. And I have to tell you, I was a competitive athlete and I was in the world of tennis. And here's the way, way that world works. You're, you, you're, you're put at a level. And when you get to a certain spot, somebody's going to come up to you and say, you need to be playing at this level. And you go up to that level and suddenly you're the worst again. And six months down the road, that same somebody comes up and says, now you need to be at this level. And now you're weak, the weakest link again. So it's like this roller coaster, but you're, you're going up. Yeah. And so you learn how to lose is my point. And so there were a lot of losses along the way because I didn't know how to write. I mean, I knew how to write and get my thoughts down, but 
Was it punctuated right? Was it all spelt right? No, I had to, I had to get out of my fear of looking elementary and, and sending it out to somebody that does proofing and editing, even as bad as it may look, fix this for me. Because mm -hmm. I know what I'm saying matters. Become a speaker. I have a gift of speaking, but I didn't know that I had that gift. It just came natural, but it took two or three times before I was confident at it. For others, it might take 20 or 30 times for them to get comfortable at it. But there were a lot of things that I had to just say, you know what? I don't have time to learn this. So you hire somebody to do that. So we yeah. make videos. I didn't learn how to do videography and edit and voiceovers. I don't do that. I hire people. I go in with an idea, yeah. you know, and I say, this is, and I'm with them on every shot, every shoot, every location, but I don't actually do all of that work. I don't right. write the curriculum for the stuff that we do. You have to be smart enough to say, I don't have time to learn that. And I don't have time to go back to school for all of that. Other point that I wanted to make is that there's just a fear in stepping out. Like, you know, you want to do something, but you know, you don't have the credentials to do this or to do that. And that's intimidating, but you have to understand that all of life is like a roller coaster and you're going to be down here. But the good news about being down here is that you can only go up. When you get up here and you think you're feeling good, that's when you need to be alert because that's when the fall can happen. We have to be prepared. And that's one thing that competition trained me. Mm -hmm. I've heard nothing but no, no, no along the way. And if I would have listened to that, I would have just walked away from this. But I yeah. knew I was right. And I know we can do better. And I think it's because you figured out your purpose. Yes. And I think if there's a message in here, the spark for you was that Bible study, that learning about the purpose-driven life and the aha moment was, oh, all of this experience I've had and the pain I've experienced with these foster kids, I can use this to help the system, help prevent future stories like mine from existing through the different speaking and writing because you wrote the book. I don't think we, we kind of glossed over that, but you were writing this book as you were experiencing the, so the foster care situation. And despite all those obstacles, you know, the fact that you didn't have the education or the ex professional experience in the child welfare system. And when you came to the videos, the technical know-how and all of the stuff that you do, you didn't let that stop you because you knew what your purpose was. And here's the thing. When I thought back over my whole life, you know, what was near and dear to my heart? Children. For me, that's what it was. Now, that doesn't mean my children irritated me. I don't want to sound like I was some kind of angel saint mom. I wasn't. My kids irritated me. The kids that I coached irritated me. But there was just this soft place. Like, you better not cross that child. It is our responsibility. And, and when I was coaching a kid that was a behavioral attitude, they were still a child. And if they came to practice and they tried, they played. No matter What I thought about their personality didn't matter. And you know what? A lot of those kids are really great adults now. And the reason that I say that is for people that are listening, your passion doesn't have to be my passion. It can be senior citizens. It can be disabled vets. It can be the hungry, the homeless. You know what your heart is always sort of called you to from time to time. That's probably your purpose. That's probably where God wants you to be. And so you start looking in that area. Now you've narrowed it down. How can I get involved?
that area. That's what the Purpose Driven Life did for me was I knew that I was being called to child advocacy. Did I think of COPE 24? No, that wasn't until years later that I realized and narrowed down my deal is going to be we need to be educating our kids to be healthier parents. While other people in the same arena as I'm in focus on the adults that have been harmed as children and have all these mental health issues and how do we get them to overcome that? That's important, but that's not what I'm called to. I am called for the future children. We can stop this cycle by creating healthier parents and getting our students who are some being abused right now themselves, getting them to realize the way you're living is unhealthy, is dysfunctional, but that's not telling them to go home and tell their parents you're doing it wrong. These teachers are really good at teaching these kids that there is are other options. That's all I'm saying. You only know what you grow. I have a friend that always says that, you know what you grow. By taking classes like that and by us producing these sort of reality-based video options for them, they can understand, oh, there is a different way. My parents didn't have access to that. That's how we teach this so that they're not going home and pointing a finger at their parent. They didn't have access to this kind of education, but we do. Can you tell our listeners what your book was that you created? The first book I wrote is our personal story. It's called Who's Best Interest? And it was really started out to be about the kids and about what it was like living with these children and the things that you witness, which come up in a lot of foster families. I mean, I'm sure if you read my book, you'd see a lot of the similarities or your parents would tell you because they fostered. Yeah. You bring those kids into your home and you get them a McDonald's meal. And if they don't want to eat it all, you see them hiding it at the back of your refrigerator because you didn't do that. Somebody was going to walk by and eat your food. All of these things, the nightmares and the night tears. And I mean, it's just heart wrenching the stuff that you learn from doing that. And then when I got more into child advocacy, it occurred to me, I'm working with high school students But what about little kids? How many of us, when we get to the stage in our life where we want to have kids and then it's not happening, we find out one of us is infertile. How devastating that is. Would it have been as devastating if somebody would have planted the seed in our little brains when we were two or three years old that some families are farmed by adoption? I mean, we don't plant that seed really with our kids Mm -hmm. or through fostering because we have this huge need out there. So I wrote a children's book called Fosterhood. That's a and, great title. And then a couple of years ago, I passed, I, I partnered up with a pastor and we wrote a Bible study um, titled Family. It's complicated. And it's actually just asking people to read the stories in the book of Genesis. I mean, just start with the book of the story of Adam and Eve, which is the first book story in the Bible. I mean, think about that. They had everything. Imagine us living and having everything. And they had one rule and they couldn't follow that one rule. And we're all like that. It's not just them. We all eventually would have tested that. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. And then they lost everything. Now, can you imagine how angry that would make you if that happened to you? Your husband, if you came home tonight and your husband said, I got fired from my job. I cheated. I lied about cheating and I got caught and I've lost my job. Now, if you got a great marriage, you're going to be saying to each other, that's okay. We can get through this. But if you don't have a good marriage, it's going to start going south pretty quick. Okay. But even in this great marriage, three months down the road, you still don't have, he still doesn't have a job. Now we're getting stressed. We're eating into our savings account. We're picking at each other and our kids are witnessing all of that. 
six months later down the road. Now we got to make some big decisions. You know, we got to sell some cars, maybe sell the house, which means move into another school district, which now we're really affecting our kids. You know, so when your paradise is ripped from you and your children witness that, what does it do to the children? That's what we're asking people to do in this Bible study, to read through those stories in a different way. So it's attacking this in the high school, toddlers, in the Christian community. And so the COPE 24, uh, if people are interested in learning more about these videos that you produce that are shared in the high school setting, they can go to COPE24thenumbers24.com. Yes. And actually, we have trailers of all of our documentary, all of our videos. You know, you can click on them. They're somewhere on the website. Or even if you just get the name of it off the website, you can go to YouTube and put in Renee Howard or Coke 24 and how many aces are you holding or the life sentence or parenting under the influence. Just put the title of the video in and you can, we put up trailers of all of them so you can see the quality and the content. Yeah. So it would be great if these videos were, you know, standard in all high schools across America. Well, you know what? COVID was a really bad thing. Obviously, we would all say that. But I had a school a couple of years ago say, why why can't we just stream these videos? And so that had been in the back of our mind. And when COVID hit, it's like, okay, we don't know how long this is going to be. And these teachers who have our products, well, they can't show it to kids that are doing virtual school. So we put all of our documentaries in a streaming platform. So there's an option to either, you know, purchase a DVD or just stream so kids in school or at home could participate in the education and eventually everything will just be streamed which is great and we don't have to warehouse product well what an incredible story renee thank you so much for sharing it i hope that the listeners who are maybe wondering what can they do from their lemon that they can at least take the lesson Don't be held back by your lack of training or skill or credentials that you can overcome all of that. If you know what your purpose is, it sounds like you can do anything. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to do what I did. You you could go join a volunteer at another organization and learn. And and it's not really learn as much as what do you want to zero in on? And maybe it's to stay with that organization and, and grow up that organization and maybe not you know, maybe you'll have a different vision right? in the same category and you break off and you farm your, your own nonprofit and you go in that direction. Well, the prospects are endless and, and exciting. And I'm just so grateful that you were able to share your Lemon Spark story with us today, Renee. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.